Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Every stress and every trial and every attack of the enemy that comes against us, no matter how hard that stress is, we ought to, from the very core of our being, say, you know what, but I am persuaded. I am persuaded. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things yet to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Strive to place the love of Jesus at the center of your being. When you get it there, you'll then have the ultimate truth of the universe inside of you. Pastor David challenges you to fully grasp the great love that Jesus holds for you and to place that love at the root of all that you do. Once you have accomplished this, you'll find that love will spill out and bless those around you. To do this, commit yourself to constant prayer and study of God's Word. Place your faith in Him and serve His will regularly. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Romans chapter 22 as he continues his message, Living the Life of Christ. His love never fails. And that's the assurance that is ours in Christ. It's not my strength. It's not my ability. It's the greatness of his love. And his love never fails. Look back in chapter 5. Just some other words of encouragement here that we find. Chapter 5, right there in verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Go to your right a couple of more pages to chapter 8, verse 1. Chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Look down in verse 38, chapter 8, verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let me ask you tonight real quick. Are you holding on to God or is God holding on to you? A lot of people 
they totally misunderstand what the word says. It's him that has a hold of you and I. That's what Jesus says. You are in my hand. My hand is in the Father's hand. And beloved, that's where we stand. That's where we find our strength. That's where we find our peace. That's where we find our hope. If my hope is in how hard I can hold on to Christ or how hard I can hold on to God, I'm going to tell you, I'm in trouble, and so are you. Because none of us can hold on that hard for that long. But because of his greatness, he's the one that holds. Romans, a great message of hope and peace that's offered to mankind through that gift of salvation. Paul makes it really clear here in the book of Romans, as well as in many of his other writings. Again, that God's offer is a gift of grace. And it's not the outward workings of man. It's not by our abilities. It's not by our strengths. As we look at this book as a whole, the book of Romans as a whole, we're going to find out it's divided up fairly easily into three different sections. First of all, you have chapters 1 through 8. Then the next section is 9 through 11. The final section is chapters 12 through 16. Looking at chapters 1 through 8 here. Here we find uh, really a clear declaration of man's spiritual condition, and it's, it ain't good, folks. By, without Christ, our spiritual condition is, again, we are lost in our sin. But God has a remedy. He has an eternal cure for the condition that we're in. As a matter of fact, from chapter 1, verse 18, all the way through chapter 3, verse 20, we read that, that we are desperately lost. We are separated from God. And if this is all that we had to go on, if, if the message that Paul wrote, you know, if, if suddenly something happened and all he got was to that, that third chapter, verse 20, and that was it, that, that's all we had, you know, we, we'd be in a hopeless estate. There would, there would be nothing there because all he writes about is just, again, the, the wretched condition that we're in. But then as we move from that verse 20 on through chapter 8, verse 39, we realize that God not only knows our hopeless condition, but he is fully, he is completely provided for our redemption through Christ as our sacrifice. It's here also that we understand that we, as, as believers in Jesus Christ, The Holy Spirit abides within us as the promise of the Father. Again, look with me, jump over to chapter 8. I know we're all over the book, and don't worry about it. We'll get there through the thing eventually. Chapter 8, verse 15. Paul says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, some of you have been in church long enough. You've heard perhaps this passage even taught on in the past. That word Abba is is an Aramaic word. What does that word mean? Anybody? Father, but it has a deeper, a a more intimate meaning. Daddy. It, It is a word that even right now in the Middle East, You can go and you can hear that word called out by little children as they're running up to their fathers. Abba, Abba, Abba. It's not, Father, can I request an audience with you? 
No, that's the word that a child says as he runs and jumps into the lap of Abba, Abba, of Daddy. And that's the relationship that we have because of the Spirit of God working within us because we've been adopted. And verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Down in verse 26, still in Romans chapter 8, Paul says, and likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Why do we need the Holy Spirit of God? Yes, is that that down payment, that assurance of our relationship, but also for strength within our lives. The Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't even know how we should pray as we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with the groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for whom? The saints. Oh, you mean like St. Peter, St. Paul, St. James, St. Don, and St. Derek, and St. Tiki, uh, and and St. Dale, and, and all of us. If you are a believer in Christ, you are a saint, and the Spirit of God is making intercession for you. That's what the Word says. He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Beloved, it's here in the book of Romans where we find the strongest declaration of our security as a believer in Jesus Christ. Now understand, that security as a believer in Jesus Christ is not just a free pass to live any way that we want, but it's an assurance that God's love for us is greater than any other force that could ever come against us. Still in Romans 8, down in verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? Amen. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who's going to bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies us. Who is it that's going to condemn us? It's Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Did you catch that? The Holy Spirit is making intercession for us. Jesus, the Son of God, is making intercession for us. You want to know if you've got a good intercessory prayer team on your side? You've got the best. The Holy Spirit and the Son of God interceding for you before the Father. Verse 35, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, any of you guys going through any trials? Anybody going through any distresses or situations in life? What about persecution or famine? I've looked around the room, I don't see anybody dealing with famine tonight. 
and I'm glad that there's no one naked uh, or nakedness or peril or sword. Verse 36, as it is written though, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, in all of these things, in tribulation and distress and persecution and famine and nakedness and peril and in sword, being killed all day long, counted as sheep for the slaughter, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Guys, that's a promise for you. It's a promise for me. That's, for a, that's the promise that all of us have in Christ. And in verse 38, I am persuaded. Paul, the apostle, man, the guy that studied at the feet of Gamaliel, the guy that was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, the guy that was ahead of all of his peers, he's a sharp, intelligent guy. And he says, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's something we ought to shout about. That's something, man, we, we, we ought to have surrounded in our life and, and, and so filled within our life that every stress and every trial and every attack of the enemy that comes against us, no matter how hard that stress is, we ought to, from the very core of our being, say, you know what, but I am persuaded. I am persuaded. Neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers, nor things present, nor things yet to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Beloved, that's the hope of the gospel. That's the reality of the love of God. That's the depth of the love of God. That's the width of the love of God. That's the length of the love of God that he has for you, for you. I dare say that you could study on on, on those verses there, chapter 8, verses 15 through 39, for months and months and still not uncover the fullness and and, and the depth of all that's there. Particularly, there was even one verse that I skipped over. It's a verse that, again, is so powerful for all of us no matter what station of life that we find ourselves in. And that's Romans 8, 28. We didn't even read that one. We skipped over it. Skipped over it in purpose because I want to bring it particularly to your attention. We know, not we think or we hope, but we know that most of the stuff that we go through, no, that all things, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Isn't that really and truly just the most amazing promise you could ever find in the Bible? Because beloved, I don't know, but I believe that some of you have just gone through some stuff in life. Maybe not this week, maybe not this month, maybe not even this year, but we go through stuff in life. And some of that stuff's not very good. 
Some of that stuff, man, it breaks our heart. It tears us apart. It, it, it almost defeats us and deflates us. But beloved, the promise of God is Romans eight twenty eight that all of those things, all of those things, all of those things will work together for good. I don't see the good right now, God. That's all right. I'm still working, son. Trust me. God, it doesn't look good right now. That's all right. You see it from the wrong angle right now. Just look in the wrong angle. The promise of God is we know that all things work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purposes. You partner Romans 8.28 with the balance of chapter 8 and then add to that Paul's writings. First uh, Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9, Paul quotes from Isaiah chapter 64.4, but just listen to this. He says, Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9, but as it is written, and catch this, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, and neither has entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Guys, we pull all that together. Do you realize we could make it through trials, through persecution, through famine, through sword? We can make it through anything. Why? Because we know the greatness of the love of our God and his strength to be able to hold and to carry and to bring about for good all things. Peace, satisfaction, completeness, calmness, all of those things that need to come to a troubled heart. All of those things that are necessary to still the most fearful heart. Back up to verse 31. What then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Jump into chapters 9 through 11, and you better hurry. You'll never make it through Romans in 55 minutes. In the second section, again, a clear statement by Paul. Of Paul's love for and the assurance of God's continual love for and God's continual eternal plan for the nation of Israel. What, what may seem to be in, in the midst of what Paul is writing here, kind of a sidebar or kind of a, a rabbit trail, is actually it's just a, a further assurance to you and I, even as, as Gentile believers. It's an assurance to you and I as believers that the promises of God and his commitments never fail. Because when he starts writing about Israel, remember God's love for them, God's commitment to them, God's covenantal relationship with them. And Paul says, God hasn't given up on them. So why would he give up on us? I believe that it's further assurance. It's from Paul's writings here in Romans 9 through 11, where we see that even though the nation of Israel as a whole, they, they missed their Messiah. But yet God's not finished with them yet. He continues to work through them as a nation and as individuals. And when you see the nation of Israel now, 
Beloved, you, you, you've got to be blind not to see the hand of God still on a disobedient, stiff-necked people, okay? They're still a disobedient, stiff-necked people because they still don't recognize the Messiah. But God promised, and God's promise will not fail. Look at just the opening statements of chapters 9, or yeah, 9, 10, and 11. Just the opening statements. Flip over to chapter 9. There in verse 1, he says, I tell the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience is also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, the promises, of whom are the fathers, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, the eternally blessed God. Amen. Paul's heart for them is so huge. It's got to be huge for him to be able to say, you know what, I wish that I was accursed. If, 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 that would, if that would bring the nation of Israel to the truth and the understanding of the Messiah, I would be willing to go through an eternity in hell. Ponder that for a moment. If my brothers, to those who have all of this, if they would just simply come to an understanding of the Messiah. Look over in chapter 10, just the beginning of it. Once again, he states, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness. Oh, they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. It's not until they submit to that righteousness of God. It's not until they submit to the Messiah that they'll have salvation. They're not going to be saved any other way than we are saved, through trust and faith in Christ as Lord. Flip over to Romans 11 as we hurry along. Romans 11, verse 1. I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not, he says. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham and of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or did you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel saying, Lord, they killed your prophets and they've torn down your altars and I alone am left and they seek my life. But does the divine response say to him? He says, I've reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. In other words, there is a remnant. Verse 5, even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. So in other words, he said, even as Jews... They're not going to get saved. The ones that will be saved, they're not going to get saved by keeping the law, by keeping the works. It's not going to happen. They've got to be saved by grace. They've got to be saved by grace. And that remnant, those that will come, are going to be saved by grace through faith in Christ.
Have you noticed a theme weaving its way through Pastor David's messages and really through the Bible? That theme is salvation. It's Jesus. From the very beginning, God planned for His Son to come save the world from its sins. You find this plan ingrained in His Word, in the lives of the key people of Scripture, and in the words of truth each book provides. We're so glad you're on this journey with us. Through the Bible, we pray you're finding Jesus not just in the text, but in your everyday life, too. If you'd like to hear today's teaching again, you'll be able to listen online at theopenword.com. There's several messages there, in fact, and many of them go even more in-depth through a verse-by-verse study of each individual book of God's Word. That website again is theopenword.com. Before our time is up with you today, we'd like to turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick request for you, our listener. Yeah, thanks, Chris. I wanted to take a moment and ask you to be praying for the ministry of The Open Word. I know God is working through the messages I've been able to share, and He's opening hearts to His love every step of the way. As Chris was saying, this book I'm teaching from is just filled with grace, and I want everyone to know about it. Would you pray that more and more people would come to know the saving grace of Jesus? Would you pray too for all of us who are creating the Open Word program? We want to keep focused on Jesus, not on us. Thanks so much for praying, and thanks for joining me today on The Open Word. Make us more.